Hey, everybody, and welcome to the NFL Roadshow. Lindsey Rhodes here with our second episode of the week. We're talking wide receivers with Matt Harmon. So we will have now done draft episodes on offensive linemen, defensive backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers, and general draft stuff with Bruce Feldman. I'm going to wait until uh, the draft is over to talk running backs because I think conversations will be more interesting once we know where they actually land, since I'm not sure that we're going to hear any of their names called next Thursday in the first round. I could be wrong. Could see Brees Hall come off the board at the end of the round. Either way, though, I think the conversation is a little bit more interesting to have after we have more information about what their situation will look like. I think the opposite is true for wide receivers because it seems as if we're likely to hear quite a few of their names called on night one. In fact, Daniel Jeremiah and Charles Davis both have seven wide receivers coming off the board in round one in their latest mock drafts. And when you go up and down the board looking for potential landing spots, there aren't many teams that... I think you can cross off at the position. I'm running through some rosters here, trying to figure out who's obviously set. I mean, the Bucks, maybe, right? Like they've got a they've got a great wide receiver room. Mike Evans, Godwin Gage. The Vikings are pretty good with KJ Osborne in the three spot there. Uh, I mean, there's some teams who have a stronger need than others, obviously, but if the right guy's there, there are teams I could see swiping one up regardless of need just because of the opportunity cost of taking one of these guys in the first round. We've seen what's happening with the best veteran wideouts in the league getting deals that are astronomical. Diggs, Hill, Adams, all in the $22 million a year range now. A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin looking for new deals. Debo Samuel asking for a trade. The cost of doing business at this position is literally changing as we speak. So the value of getting a top-tier talent on a rookie deal for five years at that position is possibly stronger than it's ever been before. So who are the guys that could fit that bill. And how are they different from one another? As you guys know, wide receiver is a position with a lot of variance. So we're going to talk about the ways in which the prospects vary with the hopes of painting a picture of how they could help your squad if drafted. And frankly, I think Matt Harmon is a great person to do that. So let's break the huddle and welcome him in. And I'll explain why. Hello, let's go. Two on two on two. Ready? Ready? Matt Harmon, it's good to see you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Lindsay. I appreciate it. Um, you've got quite a, a background set up there. You, you're kind <laughs> of... Uh... <laughs> you know, I'm always shocked that more people don't call me out on it. Because it's like, we're only like two and a half years into doing everything this way, right? And I still yeah. have a blank wall behind me. <laughs> well, see, you just accepted what it was. Like, I have moved from there to here to there to like all over the place. And I finally just like, you know what? Just put a damn painting uh, of like the ocean behind me and like that's good enough. That's enough already. Hurry, I'll go find one. Yeah, I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm the anti the room raider that was so big, right? During oh, yeah. the early COVID period. I'm like, I guess I'm just, I'm not even going to try. That way yeah, you can't. You're leaning into your identity, which is, I, I respect that. That's good <laughs> Very stuff. minimal, minimalistic. That's that's yes. how you would describe there this, you right? Go. Yeah. Um, very zen. So I want to talk to you about wide receivers and the draft. Sure. And specifically, though, let's set the table because you created a methodology that you use to evaluate wide receiver performance. It's called reception perception. Yes. How would you describe what that is? Yeah. So basically reception perception was kind of my uh, idea, my way of it really, it comes back to answering the biggest question that I had about football. And I think every football fan and especially anybody that like wants to get into this professionally has to sort of ask yourself, like, what's what's the thing out there that you want to see that nobody is doing? And I'm like, all right, well, for me, that was, you know, wide receivers. Like when I was kind of coming up as a formative football fan, it was like, you know, Randy Moss, like this guy's awesome. I was a big fan of the Carolina Panthers growing up. So Steve Smith, you know, um, and, and everything there. So it's like my biggest question about wide receivers is, you know, we, we, we talk about them so much, but we kind of inherently know that their um, stats, their production is so um, dependent on number one quarterback play. Right. right. Uh, but then it, you know, the quarterback needs time from the offensive line. You need to be in the right system. That's kind of the um, high level stuff but for me. It was also like, you know, we see them just run off the screen on Sundays. What the hell are they doing uh, after that? So for me, I thought somebody needed to kind of get in there and evaluate 
route running. You know, the, the one thing I think that a wide receiver can really control is do they go out there? Do they run good routes? Do they get open and present a reasonable target for their quarterback? Um, I don't think that's quantified really anywhere. So that was what reception perception was. I go in over an eight game sample for college prospects and NFL players and chart every single route they run in that eight game sample, how often they get open on each route, how often they get open against man press zone on each route type. And then some other ancillary metrics to kind of just basically give you the full field picture of the wide receiver play, which, and Hey, it's a great time to be doing it. I've been doing it for eight years now and it feels like the position is more stacked with awesome players at the top and all the way through uh, than ever before. Well, and it's, it's interesting because I feel like, so let's use the Niners as, as just an, an example, because you're mm-hmm. having these other teams that I think are trying to position themselves to kind of copy that offense. Well, what you might be looking for a wide receiver to do in that offense is different than your just traditional X Randy yes. Moss to steal the example that you used. Like you don't necessarily have to have a guy who can do everything, but you do need to have a guy who can do specifically what you're asking him to do within this offense. And it seems like, the way that you are charting their success rates, you could maybe go find that specific guy better, better project I who that might be. Said any better than you just did. And, and I think actually, really, this kind of started to sync up for me almost like three years. And again, I started this in 2014. So really like around 2017, 2018, that's when it really started to sink in that, um, again, I'll use Randy Moss as a comparison, like um, for those Patriots days when him and Wes Welker were both firing off together, it's like, Man, those two guys were doing completely different things on the field. Um, another example that, yes. again, that 2018 sort of range, um, Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, like there was all these arguments about like, man, is you know, is Juju as good as AB? Or it's like, well, th- who cares? They're basically playing like two different positions on the field. And obviously Debo is an extreme yep. example because of what he does as a, a running back, as sort of a gadget player. You know, I think Brandon Ayuk, is, his teammate's a really good player, but just in a totally different way. So wide receiver is fun because, you know, guys can be great players doing completely different things on the field. You know, if you're looking for, I think the Packers are a funny example this year because, you know, they lost like an all world, the best receiver in football, you know, I think pretty much unquestioned at this point, Devonte Adams, but Agreed. so they're not right. going to be able to replace Devonte Adams, but they could replace like 50% of his game with someone in the first round. They have two first round picks. Maybe they could go for the 50-50 there. But like there, there are ways to sort of uh, boost your wide receiver room, even if you want to go for totally different types, which is why it's so fun. Yeah, it's it's funny because wide receivers, I think if you are super, super casual from an NFL standpoint, you're like the number one wide receiver is your best wide receiver. The number two is your next best. The number three is the guy. Like it just kind of is like a ranking of talent as opposed to just different pieces to an offense that, like you said, Wes Welker, Randy, do totally different things. And then you've got like the Rams over here who have made it clear that part of what they're doing in terms of their roster building strategy is to go get a handful of guys that are your stars and then go look for someone in the draft that does like one or two things very specifically at a high level. So they might be looking for you know, a guy who could take the top off and that's all they need him to do. So you can go find, it doesn't have, you don't have to be the best wide receiver ever. If you are a guy who can successfully do that one thing all the time, are there examples? I know that there are, who is an example of someone you've seen coming and got out ahead of it? Yeah, there's, there's been a handful. It's funny. We talked about um, the Rams just now. Uh, Allen Robinson was the like original guy. Um, I've actually told uh, a Rob this. I was like, thank God that you had that 2015 season that you did. Cause like, I probably am not having the career that I am now without you having the career that you did now. So I appreciate that. He was like in the 2014 season, you know, he was uh, just when the database was getting started, like, you know, man, like uh, now at this point I've charted, I think, 350 NFL players. So it's like, it's, it's been a lot. Um, but back then it was, you know, just like 20 something. It's like, but his success rates, you know, against man and press are like pretty similar to some of these top level number one receivers. So he was somebody that, you know, really popped right away and obviously goes out and leads the NFL in touchdowns. Shout out to him. 
uh, in that 2015 season. Stefan Diggs was another one uh, that, again, just hit the field and was like, he's a pro-level route runner, even before he had that explosive season. Another guy that I've been able to, hey, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, he's a guy that in 2017 actually led all players in success rate versus man coverage. That was the, which is sort of one of the main metrics of reception perception. I should probably say that uh, success rate versus zone man press. Um, he was up there among the league leaders in 2017. And then he, he finally has the year that I think we've been looking for in 2020. So those are a couple examples. And uh, there's been, you know, Ty- Tyler Lockett's another guy too. So um, always trying to stay ahead of, of the curve on these guys, you know, trying to tell you who's good before they're good. Right. Like, because again, wide receiver production needs so many other things to to get there, what can we find the guys on film who are, are popping off and looking like star level players before the target volume a lot arrives? That's really the main goal. Okay. Well, that brings us to the draft and uh, the ultimate question of, are they good before we know they're good? How many wide receivers have you evaluated from this year's class? Yeah. By the time uh, this week is done, uh, we'll have 20 guys fully up on receptionperception.com. Right now there's 12 full profiles. Uh, and again, that's like the, you know, for the most of them, there's a few that college film is so much harder to come around than NFL uh, film. And you, you know, this, uh, you know, we're having worked for the NFL. It's, it is, it is what it is. Um, we share that uh, connective tissue there, Lindsay. So we know that we know how that can be. Um, but uh, yeah, so I have some partial samples up from some prospects and then eight more guys will be featured in kind of like a roundup. Uh, post and it's another it's another great class and a class full of a lot of different types I think last year we had um, outside of Jamar Chase who everybody knew was going to be you know a superstar um, I, I think if unless you were crazy you knew he was you knew he was going to be a really good player uh, but then we had a lot of kind of like smaller even if you wanted them to take Penny Sewell yes. but I digress yes sure sure uh, it's crazy to think there were so many debates about that pick and it just was an instant success but um, you know we knew he was going to be a great number one receiver but then beyond him there was a lot of like smaller slot guys real separation based players this year I think we have a lot of different guys for, who kind of fit in all shapes and sizes okay so but I've heard many times people say this year's class, although very good, does not have a Jamar Chase in it. Yes, Do you correct. agree? Yeah, correct. I think, honestly, if you're ranking the last two classes together, I think for me, I would have Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle ahead of all of the top guys from this year's class. And then you kind of start to uh, look at, I was a big Rashad Bateman fan last year. I was a very big Elijah Moore fan last year. So those guys, I think, you know, you're, you're, you're some of your top players from this year's class are probably going to be ranked ahead of those two. But again, that's sort of the discussion you're having with yourself. Okay. How do you go about ranking them uh, under the umbrella that we've already discussed, which is that you can be very good in very different ways. How do you compare contrast and say like, this is the best guy in the draft versus this is the fourth. Uh, the real answers to that is you don't, you, yeah. <laughs> unless somebody's going to make you, you don't do it. Right. Uh, unless you're a specific team, perhaps. Exactly, right. Right. That's, and you know exactly what you're looking for. Correct. That's the biggest thing. I mean, for us on, we almost um, have it harder on the outside, you know, not working for a team. Um, mm-hmm. Drake London versus uh, Chris Olave, you know, who I, I think are, those are what, probably my receiver one and receiver two in this class. If like, I, if you're really making me do it right. Like again, if someone's going to make me rank them, those would probably be my one and two. But two very different players who win in very different ways. But if I am, you know, let's just say the New York Jets or something like that uh, at pick number four, pick number 10, I I would probably have a clear preference that I would want, um, you know, maybe a bigger body guy like a Drake London or maybe even I just go for uh, a Jamison Williams because I want team speed, something like that. So, yeah, for for teams, it's it's clearly like what do you need versus, um, you know, what fits your system and everything like that. They, honestly, the teams probably have it easier in that regard than uh, those in the media, uh, you know, having to put together big boards and stuff. So you brought up the Jets, knowing that they want to do a San Francisco, San Francisco East sort of thing um, offensively. Then you mentioned the big body. Is there something specific in terms of traits or stats that you track? metrics routes that they're successful on that we should be looking at in order to make that offense work there. The funny thing is if I'm the jets, I, I don't even know that you really need to go for a receiver because I am such a big Elijah Moore fan. And, um, you know, he was a guy that was 
number one, number two in success rate versus man and press coverage last year among the prospects that were charted. And, um, you know, I think that might take people by surprise because he went for a second round pick, but he was a guy that people talk about as like mostly just a slot receiver. But then I think you saw last year, um, one of the new features I did for receptionperception.com this year was I published a rookie report during the season, um, which, you know, uh, November me really hated, you know, April me for making that promise to subscribers. But the work continues, right? So um, he was a guy who was getting open on the outside, put up some big games um, with like Mike White and Joe Flacco on the outside as a receiver. So I kind of feel like you have a guy who could grow into your number one target in Elijah Moore. You kind of have a guy in Corey Davis who's that crafty vet. Like I sort of feel like they're, and maybe I'm dead wrong about this and I, I totally could be, right? Like they pursued Tyree Kill pretty clearly. Um, it sounds like they've been sniffing around DK Metcalf, that type of stuff. But are those like just look? Those are sure things. They're they're clearly going to make our room better. Um, does that necessarily preclude a wide receiver pick at ten? I, I don't know. Uh, but I think the the reason I would like Drake London there is again he gives them sort of um, our former colleague, good friend Daniel Jeremiah, talks about like building a basketball team with your wide receiver room. You know these different types of bodies. He clearly brings something. Um, as as a potential outside target who I think gets a lot more separation than he's given credit for Drake London. You know, he gets open on, on slant routes, curl routes, dig routes. Like he could potentially be um, a big wide receiver who functions in like a Michael Thomas role. So I, I, and he's a guy you could even move in and be like a power slot receiver too. That position has had obviously success uh, in this branch of coaching tree from uh, like Cooper cup with the LA Rams. And obviously I think, um, you know, there's been other examples too. So that's the reason that I like London there, but they might end up going for somebody totally different. So if you had to place a bet on this, would you say the jets are the first team to take a wide receiver? And that Drake is probably that guy. Oh man. I, I think if I had to, I, I would, I would bet that the jets are the first team to take a receiver. Cause they could look at it even at four, right? Like, cause I think wide receivers, um, it, it would be aggressive. Like, again, I don't think there, again, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a Jamar chase in this class. Right. Um, I don't know that I would take a, a, a even as much as I like Drake London, certainly as much as I like Chris Olave, I'm probably not want to take him at the fourth overall pick. But again, I want to bring up Jamison Williams because he's a player that has something that none of these guys do. He has elite speed Uh, as much Mm -hmm. as Chris Olave is the best route runner in the class. And he's got a lot of speed. Jamison Williams has like one or two times you're watching him. He's going to get behind every single person on the defense. He has the ACL concern, but it seems like he's been given a pretty good clean bill of health through the off season. Um, There's a chance just again, from an odds perspective, you're looking at, Jamison Williams is a top 10 pick or something like that. You might still get some decent odds there because it's not a commonly mocked thing. But if someone's looking for a receiver in the top 10, he brings something. He brings a trump card trait that nobody else does in this class to the table. Okay, that's an interesting way of looking at this, too, considering the fact that I'm sure there are people that are listening who are not college people for whom these names are not household names yet. And so, you know, it doesn't paint a picture of who they are as compared to like, you know, NFL guys, if you're like, I'm looking for a Tyreek Hill type. Well, I mean, aren't we all, but like, yeah, that'd be nice. you know, <laughs> that, that, that paints a picture of speed. You know what I mean? Like there are certain mm-hmm. things that, that there are pictures painted of. If you were to do that with like a Garrett Wilson, what would you say is his thing, a, a comp, somebody that could help paint a picture of who he might be in the NFL? Yeah, I really like Garrett Wilson. Uh, if you go to his profile on receptionperception.com, a lot of green routes there, uh, a lot of success rates across the route tree. Um, he's a guy who sep- certainly gets open, certainly separates well. Um, I also think he's very explosive after the catch. That might be that might be his best trait, even as, as explosive as he is as a route runner, you know, when he gets the ball in his hands, he can really make plays in space. He can break tackles. Um, he's, he can make uh really difficult catches too. He can extend away from his frame. Uh, he can pluck those off target passes, has some drops every now and again. So I end up actually comparing him to like Deontay Johnson. And I know Deontay Johnson is not like a superstar or anything like that, but Really good player. I, I like Deontay yeah. Johnson. I'm a big fan. Uh, he's a guy that, again, reception perception has been beating the drum for for a while. Great route runner. That certainly makes some mistakes, though, but can make like those really tough catches, too, that you're like, buddy, why are you all, why, why do we, why do we have to drop the, you know, third and 10 drag route that Ben Roethlisberger's little pop gun arm gets you there, stuff like that. So I kind of compare Garrett, Garrett Wilson to a player like that. Um, Drake London, did you give a comp for Drake? 
I, I listed in his profile listed like 10 because <laughs> I think he's such a funny player. Um, I, he, I know some people compare him to Mike Evans. That's like a high range of outcome player to me. I think he, you know, Mike Evans might be having like a hall of fame career. Um, it's a, uh, it's always tough to compare players like that, but I, I think Brandon Marshall actually, you know, more, a little slightly throwback comp there makes uh, more sense to me because you know, Brandon Marshall wasn't like an elite level separator, but certainly got open and was really good uh, after the catch and on slant routes, on curl routes, dig routes. You know, again, those base routes that you're going to get Drake London on. Um, I think Brandon Marshall probably honestly might have been a, a really good big slot receiver for a team had he you know been in the NFL like five years after uh, his prime or whatever. Uh, so I think him and, and Michael Thomas is another one that I think makes sense to big body guy who separates a little better than people think. That's right. Um, yeah, I think that this is good for wide receivers specifically. I'm not totally massive on comps all yeah. the time because I feel like it creates a an unfair um, correlation between players. But in terms of wide receivers, because we've discussed how many different kinds yes. of ways there are for people to get it done, I think maybe it's a little bit more productive to do. Um, Chris Olave, who would be his comp? Oh God. I, I really love Chris Olave. He uh, just, and perfect comp for him. I know I'm not the only one to make it, but their reception perception profiles look so similar that I'm comfortable going ahead with it too. It's Calvin Ridley, um, you know, who I think Calvin Ridley came into the NFL and was like a ready-made number two receiver from the jump. You know, he was right there. Perfect ac across from Julio Jones. But by the time Julio was sort of on the decline, you know, Calvin Ridley, I think, had in 2020 really established himself as a, a potential number one receiver himself. I think that Chris Olave could go along that same path because he's just such a polished, nuanced route runner that can make some special catches uh, as well. I think that was basically Calvin Ridley's game. Unfortunately, obviously, Calvin Ridley, you know, it's been a long time since we've seen him uh, play football at this point. No. It's going to be a long time. Uh, not going to play this season. But yeah, those two players are so similar to me that you know, I think if you draft Chris Olave, like, if you're one of these teams, I hate to wish cast here because you just end up getting your heart broken when they go to some, you know, Garbo offense or whatever, but like, oh, do it. I love it. He goes to the chiefs or goes to the Packers. Like these teams that need a wide receiver and they're in a playoff run right now. Like I think he would be perfect because he could be that ready-made starting receiver. Maybe he never grows into your number one guy. But again, we're talking about wide receivers, a team that you a position where you can put it together. You can put together a room. You know, if you have a Juju Smith Schuster and a Marquez Valdez Scantling there, if you're in Kansas City, then you just throw a guy on the outside who separates so well, which I don't think is the strength of either of those two guys' game. You have an outside the, the numbers player, a separator there in Chris Olave. That would be a perfect fit. If you're the commanders and you're sitting at 11 and you decide that you want to go in the direction of wide receiver. Um, who makes the most sense there knowing you already have Terry McLaurin? Are you just going like best case scenario, like the best wide receiver? Or are you looking for something specific? I think that they're another team that seems like they're forecasting wide receiver because um, uh, my, my buddy Josh Norris works for underdog, underdog fantasy. He's pointed this out that, you know, Ron Rivera, like never goes to pro days during his time with the Carolina Panthers, never went to pro days. He was all up in that Ohio State pro day, you know, talking to Chris Olave, talking to Garrett Wilson, um, you know, and obviously they've already got two Ohio State guys in that receiver room. They have Terry McLaurin. They have Curtis Samuel. I'm actually a big fan of both of those players. And, uh, you know, Terry McLaurin, such, I mean, he's another guy sort of I could compare Chris Olave to Terry McLaurin because they're both like pro route runners, just get separation against press, against zone, against man all over the field. Uh, so, you know, there would be. Look, Carson Wentz would have a lot of open throwing windows if either Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave go there. Um, and I do like Curtis Samuel as a guy who could play uh, a speed receiver I role. Yeah, I, I just think last year that was really threw me year. off last year. Yeah, when he got hurt, it threw me off. I mean, I, I had big expectations for Washington to just look completely different than it did last year. Part of that was Antonio Gibson, which is a totally different story. I'm with but you on that one too, by of, the way. <laughs> I mean, and then also when Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hurt, that throws yeah. the whole, you know expectation we forget we forget how things got away from washington so quickly last year i mean you know at points of the summer you're like wow ryan fitzpatrick like slinging bombs to terry mclaurin yeah. curtis samuel the pride of lynchburg virginia logan thomas like you know this is going to be a pretty fun antonio gibson breakout season and then there were times last year it was like look uh you know my my sister my brother-in-law are odu alums uh, i got a lot of respect for taylor heineke 
Uh, but like, you know, there are certain points last year. I was like, okay, this is like Terry McLaurin, the preseason boys out here. This is, this is a tough offense to watch. Totally. But then people would be like, Oh, this was an awful call. This call didn't hold up. Well, I'm like, they lost like eight, half of the people that I was factoring into this call. So like go somewhere else with that cold (laughs) take nonsense. Um, so Olave, we left off. We were talking about Washington. They have Mm -hmm. the 11th pick. If we assume that the first wide receiver to come off the board is to the jets, you're saying potentially four, but maybe I like, I like 10 as a landing spot for that a little bit more, just because that way you don't miss out on one of those tackles. If you want them either way, you're probably going to get one of them at four either way. Um, then that would potentially be the second wide receiver off the board is Olave in that mix. Like, how do you think that this wide receiver group is like that? You know, is there another guy that you would have to take before you would take Olave or is it just kind of a preference situation? I think it's a preference situation. And I think for Washington specifically, um, because Garrett Wilson, while I might like Chris Olave's like NFL translation year one projecting projection, much I think it's cleaner than Garrett Wilson in year one. I think because you have a Terry McLaurin there who is already yeah, I, I think if Terry McLaurin wasn't playing with like Taylor Heineke and, and some of these goofball quarterbacks, uh, you know, in Washington last year, you know, we might already regard Terry McLaurin as a great, like top 10 receiver. I think he's that good. Uh, he was number mm-hmm. five in 2020 in success rate versus man coverage, just an elite separator. Um, I think you could draft a Garrett Wilson and, you know, have him be your number two target, you know, manufacture some touches, get him out in space. Like I said, he's such a good tackle breaker that, um, you know, that hasn't always been Carson Wentz, the Carson Wentz factor. And it really does throw me off too. Cause it's like, do I really you want to give up two threes no. to then anyway, no, Ron Rivera probably should have stayed in his house on that one. I mean, my God. Uh, but yeah, he's a tough guy to like project a clean fit for. Um, he was right. pre- pretty decent with Michael Pittman last year, you know, kind of a go up and get it wide receiver, but yeah, I think Garrett Wilson would probably be my pick for them just because he's athletic. They can get him touches in space and like they don't have to have him be their number one receiver right away. Uh, and again, now you just got three Ohio State guys and a lot of speed on the field there. Who else do you think when you look at the the draft in the first round, are you like that person, that team is going to take a wide receiver? They have to take a wide receiver. I'm slotting one here. Uh, you could go a lot of different directions uh, on this one. It's it's funny because I I wrote a piece for Yahoo uh, last week. I think it was last week. It's hard to say at this point. Yeah, it it was last week. They all Um, blend together. They all blend (laughs) together right here before the draft. Um, And, you know, just look, looking at every team's level of wide receiver need. And there are a ton of teams that need help. I mean, and there's a ton of teams that need help that have uh, a, have two first round picks. You know, the Texans have two first round picks. They certainly need help at receiver. I mean, Texans need help damn near everywhere, but um, everywhere. The Eagles, funnily, funny enough, like they take JJ Arcega Whiteside in 2019, doesn't work out. They take Jalen Rager in the first round 2020, definitely doesn't work out. I think they got it right with Devontae Smith last year, but Lindsay, I think they could take a, a first round receiver again this year. Um, and I know I'm, I'm pegging Drake London a little earlier. But he would be, to me, a perfect fit for the Eagles because, again, complementary skill set there, complementary size uh, between Devontae Smith and and uh, Drake London, who could be that big interior uh, receiver for them. So there t- and that they could take a trail on Burks too. very different type of receiver from Devontae Smith as well. How? Tell me about trail on Burks. Burks, I think, is the most difficult evaluation of guys that are going to go in round one. And I think he should be a first round pick because, you know, the positives on him are pretty easy to see. I think he's really I think he's pretty smart at beating zone coverage. You know, a guy who can certainly find like soft spots on short routes, slants, flats, uh, some of those routes, again, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage. But he played such a, a weird role. Um, to me, uh, you know, a lot of folks, he was sort of used like Debo Samuel at Arkansas, which is stupid because I, I hate the fact that, you know, in November, everybody's like, man, Debo Samuel, one of one player. Nobody else can do what Debo Samuel does. And now like we're here at draft season, like this guy can next Debo Samuel, this guy can next Debo Samuel. It's like, that's probably, <laughs> probably not going to happen. Um, but was sort of used in that gadget, create a touch role, but he looks nothing like that. I mean, he's a huge body. Um, so again, it's just, that's the hardest part for me is projecting his NFL role. I keep saying that he's the most landing spot sensitive receiver because he's just not a good route runner right now. He's, he doesn't, he's not a polished pro like a Chris Olave or something like that. He really struggles against press coverage uh, to get separation routinely, but 
he can burn down the field. He can, you know, win 50, 50 balls. So I think there's a lot of um, upside in the correct role for him. I don't want to see some team go out there and, you know, make him their number one X receiver right away. Uh, I, I would love to see him as like a big interior. I, I compare him to like a Juju Smith-Schuster coming out of the draft. Um, okay. And that seems weird because again, just didn't play that. Like to, he played such a strange role, did Traylon Burks. But, you know, I think the Steelers get a lot of credit for like, oh, they have some skeleton key for scouting receivers. I think the Steelers are just really smart at understanding players' strengths and like deploying them the right way. And, you know, we talked about Juju earlier as, playing a totally different position from Antonio Brown. He played that like big slot role, get him on slants, you know, get him free releases. Don't have him face a ton, a ton of press coverage. If some team looks at Traylon Burks and puts him in like a Juju Smith-Schuster role, I think he really thrives uh, right away in his career as he develops. Like the Steelers, perhaps? <laughs> Maybe like this, like perhaps the the, the Steelers. No. Yeah, I know. We no longer have a Juju Smith-Schuster. They're funny too because they keep drafting these wide receivers, but they kind of need to take another one because like Deontay Johnson in the last year of his contract, I, like I mentioned earlier, love Deontay Johnson, but you know Chase Claypool doesn't have a very good second season. I think a lot of that is on the fact that he and Ben Roethlisberger just, you know, their games didn't align at that point. But I also think that Chase Claypool just makes a lot of mistakes in contested situations, kind of a mistake prone player at this point, probably takes, you could take a third year leap or whatever, but you got nothing going on behind him. They lost Juju. They lost James Washington to the Cowboys and they lost Ray Ray McLeod um, to the 49ers as well. So that's three receivers off the depth chart there. They, they could certainly add another guy. So when you say he needs to go, Traylon Burks needs to go to a specific team. Who, who is a team that jumps to mind? Like if you, Perfect world. You got to place him where he would be best suited. Where would that be? Perfect. I've seen this pick mocked a lot and I kind of get it Uh, about 60, 40, get it because there's like 40% of me thinks like, man, Aaron Rodgers is going to hate Traylon Burke sometimes when he's, you know, gets caught up on press coverage, isn't in the right place or whatever. But I think we talked about the Packers like replacing 50% of Devonte Adams and the Packers were really great about getting uh, Devonte Adams moved inside, getting him on quick hitting passes slants. You know, Aaron Rodgers is great at identifying when a corner's in off coverage, moving Devonte Adams pre-snap and like hitting him on like smokes and screens and stuff like that. I think Burks would be awesome in that, in that role. Uh, and you know that they love to get their players in space. They love to do pre-snap motion. So I think, that Burks would actually be a really good, like long-term developmental fit there. Um, and again, they just, they need juice in that passing game. The problem with Burks, the Packers though. So I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth here on this one uh, is like everybody on their roster right now is a slot receiver. Uh, Randall Cobb is like an old slot receiver. Alan Lazard is like a big slot receiver and Mari Rogers is technically a slot receiver, but like couldn't even get playing time on special teams last year. So I don't know. They're, they're a tough team because uh, they kind of need like, I would love for them to double up at receiver, take a trail in Burks and then double back and take like a true X receiver later in the first round or maybe in the second round or something like that. I mean, they don't need anything else. Just give them a bunch of wide receivers. That's fine. I, I would like great would great to when they don't take one in the first round. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch it all melt down on yeah. Twitter. That'll be fun. How many more names deep are we going at wide receiver before there's a break in tier? Do you think? I think we've already, well, for one, we've hit the tier break to me. Uh, because I, I think those five guys, uh, Burks when, is the yeah, Burks okay. is kind of that the end of tier. And I think honestly, Burks is such a weird evaluation that if I really wanted to cheat, I would say that it, you know, London, Olave, Wilson, and Williams would be a tier to themselves. Burks is like his own weird tier to, okay. to himself. One B. Yeah, sure. exactly. The one B tier. I might steal Let's that. Let's do it. I might steal that from you. Uh, and, and then starting at tier two, you know, then we're like in the George Pickens realm. We're in the Jahan Dotson realm. Uh, those two prospects, I think, are the top of that tier. And they're totally, totally different guys. Uh, George Pickens and Jahan Dotson. But Sky Moore, what, is, what about Sky Moore? Because oh, I yeah, keep hearing yeah. he's going to yes. go in the first round too. So what to make of all of this? Thank you for reminding me of Sky Moore. There's so many receivers that it's easy to forget sometimes. But yeah, um, Sky Moore, oh my God, such a good player. Uh, you know, just 
I, I tweeted this yesterday. He just obliterated his uh, reception perception sample. And I know he plays at Western Michigan and whatever, but um, so like take some of that context, but you know, good play is still good play. And like, you know, I charted the games he played against Michigan. I charted the games he played against Pittsburgh, you know, some of those upper level schools and he just gets open, gets separation, clean off the line. Um, I compare him to sort of like a, D, I, there's a lot of more here, but like a DJ Moore player, um, you know, somebody that, early on in his career was really good after the catch, but kept developing as a route runner and has now, I think really kind of become like more of a full field player. I know people compare uh, him uh, sky more to golden Tate. I think that's totally fair. But uh, when DJ Moore was coming to the NFL, I remember talking to him uh, and, and kind of comparing his game to golden Tate. So uh, I think DJ Moore is a prospect pretty similar to sky Moore, who, yeah, I think he's, I think if, if I'm from if ranking tier two, it would probably go, Jahan Dot Jahan Dotson, Sky Moore, and then George Pickens at the top of that tier. Okay. I mean, Sky Moore has the best name of the three, but we don't need to factor that in. That's fine. I, I mean, mean, that what does a matter. great wide receiver name. Come on, yeah. Sky Moore. It yeah. It just works. Everything about it works. It does really what work. A, what about uh you were putting George Pickens at the top or Jahan? I think Jahan Dotson's the top of that tier, but totally okay. different player from George Pickens. Like Jahan Dotson. Again, I I really I'm glad we're doing like the comp thing because I think it does help folks a lot. It's I don't love to comp like running back to running back or quarterback to quarterback. Yes. But wide receiver. But there's so many styles. Yes. And I'm not a college person anymore. Sure. I don't have that like I'm too deep into the weeds of the NFL. So this is actually really helpful for me because it's just painting a picture. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to have a life and like especially you're trying to have a significant <laughs> other, you can't be right. you can't be like, hey, I really I'm gonna be all football, all day, Saturday and Sunday. You got to pick, yeah. you got to pick. Uh, so I'm with there are people that. listening that are like, no, you, no, you don't. don't. <laughs> but I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. I agree with, I co-sign that thought. Same. Uh, so yeah, uh, we're, we're trying to healthy work-life balance here. Um, so with all of these guys, I think, yeah, stylistic comps are kind of what we're going for here. Like, I don't know that, um, you know, Drake London's going to become Michael Thomas and break an NFL record or something, but stylistically, that's how these guys sort of to level out. So Jahan Dotson, I think stylistically, just perfectly a Doug Baldwin type player, you know, because I think great zone beater, awesome hands. I think he's got the best hands in the class, Jahan Dotson. Like you watch Lindsay, you're a USC alum. So uh, I, 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 I am Drake London, tough quarterback play. I felt I was like, man, that was not. We well, had like thirty. Exactly. It feels like exactly. So you like I'm going back and charting Drake London. I'm like man, I feel pretty bad for this guy. He's not not great quarterback. <laughs> this is a clown car he's in. And then I go and then I go chart Jahan Dotson. I'm like, oh, this is way worse. I mean, that was some rough, rough <laughs> oh, no. quarterback play. Um, so you if you go back and actually watch like the film of him, this guy just gets open. Best one, I think the best zone beater in the class. Um, and again, great hands to, to snag those off target passes, but also just, you know, the lowest drop rate in this class on reception perception, just a great, great, reliable, solid player. And the reason the Doug Baldwin comp makes so much sense is again, that I think he's probably the best, uh, he's probably at best in the slot in this class for sure. I think that, that you're going to want to play him there, but Doug Baldwin, so reliable, always in the right place and could kind of bail out his court. Not that Russell Wilson's a bad quarterback, but like early on in Russell Wilson's career, very improvisational, you know, scramble drill. I think John Dotson sort of, you know, can be that sort of bailout guy for a quarterback too. And Pickens is like the other end of the spectrum there. Like he, you probably want him to be your pure X receiver. Um, okay. You know, you want him to be that ISO ball guy. You know, he's just a little tough because barely played in 2021 because he tore his ACL uh, in the spring. You know, he he had an okay 2020 season. Really, his best year was his freshman year. So he's kind of a difficult evaluation in that regard. But he does get more separation than I think people give him credit for on short routes like slants and curls, more of those base routes as well. But great contested catch guy can really high point the ball. You know, I think he can be like a T Higgins type of player in the NFL. Like a, again, a classic ball winning X receiver who really can sort of be, uh, I mean, obviously Jamar chase one ups T Higgins in his rookie year, but T Higgins, a great player in, in his own right. So I think that like, if you're looking for that classic X receiver, I think George Pickens is, is your guy uh, in the later, I could, I could see him being a first round pick, but maybe more like in the second round. 
Are there any other people that you think are going to go later? Like Amonra St. Brown was a fourth rounder last year, like a hundred and something in the draft, which was crazy. Really? Yeah. Okay. Did you, did you think it was crazy at the time? And yeah, I thought that it was crazy that he went in the fourth round. Uh, And this is like, I mean, just, I felt good about this one because uh, in his pre-draft profile, I said that he could sort of be a Bud Light Cooper cup type of player. And then he goes, (laughs) Cooper Cup. And then he goes to a team. What does with, that make Cooper Cup in that analogy? Just like. I mean, probably not butt heavy. It. That's not like good enough, I guess. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, 2020 uh, Cooper Cup. is. He's like, like some craft beer. Yeah. Yeah. And Amon is the Bud Light. I, well, see that that sounds so that sounds too disrespectful to Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, well, uh, listen. <laughs> OK. It wasn't every, meant, okay. Everybody has everybody has like their phase with, uh, you know, some some nights are Bud Light nights. I'm not a, I'm not here to judge anybody. Okay, for what you're drinking. That's I'm not I'm not that guy anymore in my life. I'm no longer a hipster. Uh, but anyways, I think that when you look at these two guys, the reason I said that is like it was funny because he ends up going to a team with Jared Goff as quarterback and you know Brad Holmes, uh, former Rams front office guy, is the GM there. So I think there was sort of that. I felt good about that one because I felt like they sort of saw what I saw for this role. And you know, the longer that Amon Ra went and played there for the Lions, he he was in that sort of like big slot receiver role. You get him away from press coverage. Cause I didn't think he, you know, had the, the route chops to win on the outside very much, but great zone beater. Uh, and you, you know, you can get him those sort of slant routes and, and drag routes. And he just piles up yards after the catch similar to it's tough to compare someone to Cooper cup now, because, you know, and remember I'm making this back in April of 2021 before he has this monster season that he did now. Yeah. Are there any, people in this year's class that you feel comfortable projecting like they're going to go lower, but there's a lot of potential there for this person to be a name that you're going to need to know. I E who should I be drafting in my dynasty uh, (laughs) rookie draft in one of those later rounds? Yeah. I'll I'll do the thing here where I like throw a bunch of different names out. So one of them sounds really smart, but um, Alec Pierce is not a guy who's going to be a later pick, but I think he could be, if I'm the bears, I'm taking Alec Pierce in the second round. Or the third round. They need a receiver. Well, number one, yes, they need a receiver so bad. Uh, Their depth chart is rough to look at. You don't want Byron Pringle to be your number two receiver. Shout out to Byron Pringle, but like you need to do a little better than that. Uh, And he's a guy, Alec Pierce, I weirdly feel like to go for a stylistic comp. Remember when people had really bad takes coming into the NFL draft about DK Metcalf? Like he was only a straight line player, could only like run slants and posts and, and go routes. Uh, obviously I didn't think that was, I didn't think that was a good take at the time. It's definitely a a take that hasn't aged well, but Alec Pierce, like actually is that guy, like a straight line player, but wins in contested situations and could win vertically. Justin Fields would be great there. Um, so I wanted to throw that name out there though. I think he probably ends up going day two. Um, guys like David Bell and Khalil Shakir, those could be similar, even in a role perspective. Uh, to an Amon Ra St. Brown that bud maybe they're like the Michelob Ultra uh, if we're talking about like the light beer scale here they're the Michelob Ultra Cooper Cup uh, and listen again I don't even know what that means that's the best that you, you don't I like your attempt <laughs> yeah I yeah. like your attempt. I'm doing I'm doing my best now thing. now you're asking me to know a lot more about beer than I do apparently I know too much about beer and apparently I know too much <laughs> about like bad light beer but anyways that's not the point here I think that like those guys could be if you're, especially if you're looking in, you know, kind of the early day three range, they wind up on the right team with a lot of opportunity. They could fit in that big slot receiver role and, and sort of win. Um, those guys just end up, it's just, I'm on, maybe it's just a Jared Goff thing, but I'm on Ross St. Brown, Cooper cup, like early in their careers, they just give quarterbacks layups. And um, I mentioned growing up watching the Carolina Panthers. That was the one thing that was just so frustrating with the Cam Newton era and, until his, they finally got these guys after his arm fell off you know dj moore uh curtis samuel christian mccaffrey it's like you got to give your quarterback layups and you know these players like david bell clear Shakir, uh and uh same with amon ross st brown that was the reason i liked him last year was just give your quarterback layups like that matters a lot they're not big play guys they're not george pickens those outside x receivers they're not t higgins but you do need to give um like just that dink and dunk ability and cooper cup obviously became more than that but that was how he started his career. And then we'll see what Amon Ross St. Brown does too. Does Michelob ultra have no carbs? It's like the, yeah, the super light low. It's like 95 calorie beer. So I guess if you're going to drink 10 of them, you can feel like, all right, that was pretty, <laughs> I didn't destroy my calorie count for the week. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not, I've never said that I did that. I'm just saying. 
No, I obviously not. Um, when you said that you don't want Byron Pringle to be your number two wide receiver in Chicago, um, in that scenario, I assume you have Darnell Mooney as their number one. Is Darnell Mooney a number one? Probably, probably not. I don't, I don't think no. so. Uh, I think he is a really, really good player though, but I think he's probably best as a number two that you move around pre-snap, you get him touches uh, both in space, but also obviously in the vertical game. Um, I think he's a really, really good player, but I don't think he is a number one receiver now. All right. Who is better in the game right now than we may currently think? Ooh, oh, that's a great point uh, or a great question. Mm, better than we, th- I mean. Are there, are there any people whose breakouts you see coming from a fantasy standpoint? And the reason I bring this up, well, I mean, obviously other than I was going to bring this up at some point anyway, <laughs> but from, but Darnell Mooney is that guy for a lot of people. Like I work with John Hansen um, from fantasy points who does the direct TV fantasy zone yes. channel show with me on Sundays and Darnell Mooney's his like obsession, right? That he's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to draft Darnell Mooney in every league next year. I love him. He's going to break out. That doesn't necessarily mean he's a want, just means that there will be fantasy production yes. as far as he's concerned. Um, is there anyone like that that you are high on for next year? The circumstances just weren't particularly perfect for them this past season. Yeah, obviously Mooney gonna it looks like he's gonna have a ton of target volume. So that's a good call by John oh, Hanson. Yeah, I mean, yeah, boy, for better or for worse. For better or for worse. Uh, we're just worried about the bottom line there. Uh, for me, uh, you know, obviously I mentioned Elijah Moore earlier, player I'm super high on, but Rashad Bateman from last year's draft class. I just think that guy is so good. Uh, And I think Baltimore for once has like almost kind of a target problem with quality options because Marquise Brown's a good player. He was my favorite receiver in 2019. Um, And he's developed into like a pretty, it's funny that class like has um, a ton of, a ton of stars, a ton of like Nikhil Harry level guys that didn't work out. Uh, Hakeem Butler is in that draft class, like just total strikeouts. Marquise Brown, like somewhere in the middle there, actually pretty solid career right. somewhere. Um, so he's a good player. Mark Andrews obviously had a massive tight end one season last year, but I think Rashad Bateman could end up being a, a really good, like actual X receiver for them. A number one guy, the targets are just hard to, to parse out, but um, I wouldn't rule out too. I, I mentioned his name earlier when we were talking about Debo Samuel and um, you, you asked me earlier of like reception perception. When, when has it been like ahead of the curve? Um, there was a couple of times, like we talked about Curtis Samuel, you know, I was all in on him in 2019. He didn't have that like thousand yard season until 2020, uh, Tyler Lockett. I was all in on him in 2016. That took like two more years to work out. Um, I was all in on Brandon Ayuk last year as a guy that was going to be a really, really good player. And unfortunately the subscription packages on receptionperception.com do not come with Kyle Shanahan giving me a phone call before the year to tell me, Hey, I'm going to toss uh, my guy Ayuk in the doghouse for like seven weeks. Um, but once he got back out there, he was a pretty productive player. I wouldn't be surprised if like 2021 uh, with Trey Lance, who is a better fit for a receiver, like a Brandon Ayuk, like attack outside the numbers attack vertically. I wouldn't be surprised if this is kind of his breakout season. What, what about Terrace Marshall? What not that he is or is not, but what did we see last year? Cause he was that, you know, guy, that big body, like you brought up Bateman big who went to guy, Carolina. Yeah. I thought that there would be opportunity there. And then it just kind of never went anywhere. Yeah. It never went anywhere. Uh, I mentioned that uh, mid season rookie report uh, for reception perception, uh, Terrace Marshall's results, not very good in that one. So um, oh, great. Yeah, okay. Not very great. Uh, and, and it's, and I liked him as a prospect too, because um, I thought he had inside out versatility. I thought he could win on slant routes, could win on go routes. Um, but listen, maybe it just was like a, a Carolina thing. And he was also a guy who struggled like coming off and on the field. He was definitely one of Sam Darnold's like hospital ball recipients, unfortunately, like got knocked out for several weeks there. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe his second season is better, but I was pretty dis- I was disappointed by his actual individual play, not just the production in his rookie year. Hospital ball. I've never heard that. <laughs> Sam Donald's thrown a few of those in Carolina. Awful. Um, Matt Harmon. Really, really good stuff. I love it. I want to circle back really quick to the guy who was your breakout guy, Alan Robinson. Yeah, let's not let's now not on end on let's not end on Terrace Marshall. <laughs> on hospital ball. Yeah, let's not let's end, not on, end that. on that. No. no. Um Alan Robinson, is he still good? So you predicted that he was going to be good. Now he's going to Los Angeles, plug him into that Rams offense. Is it still there? I think it's still there. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, 
his 2020 reception perception was awesome. You know, he was like top five in success rate versus man press. He's been at like the 97th percentile in 2019, 2020, 2021, obviously not as good. Uh, we know the production was not there, but that was just such an, uh, a total nightmare, like a total S show of a situation in Chicago. Wasn't on the same page. Is it hard to do anything well when you just hate everything about your life? I mean, exactly. Right. Look, we've all (laughs) had jobs where you hate your employer. Your employer's not like, I mean, if any guy like they brought, they brought in Allen Robinson, worked his tail off to like get healthy, worked with bad quarterbacks. And then they like, just don't give him the big money contract extension. And then, you know, he gets hurt. He has a hamstring injury. He gets like COVID misses two games. It's just like literally everything that could go wrong did go wrong. But they call the weirdest plays. Oh, yeah. Don't even, let's not even get started on the Matt Nagy uh, play calling here. I know we wanted uh, to end on a positive yeah, note. Right. Let's, so let's, let's let's spin it forward. What kind of beer is he? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, he's like a Dale's Pale Ale. He's one of the best. Uh, but I think that Allen Robinson, like, still was really good at getting off the line of scrimmage. Uh, was still able to separate on uh, vertical routes. Just not, never really on the same page with Justin Fields. Uh, I, and I think he is certainly a player that will fit much better with Matthew Stafford. I think he still has it. I'm still really confident in him. You know, I think he could have like a top 15 fantasy season this year. And it's funny because the Rams have like kind of cycled out guys at that X receiver position. You know, it was really missing uh, in that 2020 offense uh, after they trade Brandon Cooks. But Brandon Cooks had a couple good years in that X receiver position. And then like they bring in Odell last year and it's like just the offense comes alive with Beckham in there. I think Robinson is a it, healthier player obviously right now you drop him into that role he will certainly uh, i think thrive in that all right great content where can we find it all of these charts on all of these wide receivers yeah obviously you can of course follow my work at yahoo sports still do the podcast over there and everything and uh, receptionperception.com that's where you can find all of the information i feel like i threw a lot of stuff out at people so <laughs> if you want even more uh receptionperception.com we've got everything there profiles up on 12 draft prospects right now. We'll have like a roundup post of all of these David Bell, Shakir, Khalil Shakir types I mentioned as well by the end of the week. I would say we, I mean, me. Is there a we or is it you? Is this a royal we situation? I mean, there are other people doing stuff for the site. There are other people (laughs) making the charts, other people putting the, helping me put the tables together. But like in terms of the charting work, the writing work, that's the king of beers. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, 12 Michelob Ultras all the way, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Matt, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Lindsay. I really appreciate it. And you can find Matt on Twitter with links to all the rest of that stuff that he mentioned at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And we'll be back next week with one last look at the big picture of the draft with a very special guest responsible for the beast itself. Dane Brugler, draft analyst from The Athletic, has done a seven-round mock, which is insane. And we'll talk to him about what he sees happening, what he thinks should happen, and what he's hearing about what might happen that might surprise us. That's coming up early next week since the draft is on Thursday. So if you're a subscriber, it'll be waiting for you in your inbox. If you're not, what is happening? Let's fix that. And while you're at it, hit that five-star button. Leave a review. All the things. Takes like five seconds. Helps me out. As always, I'd also really like to hear your thoughts on the content that we discussed. What do you think about the wideouts? Um, What questions do you have for Dane? I'd love to get some of those in the show next week. And you can drop those to me on Twitter, Lindsay underscore Rhodes. My handle on Instagram is Lindsay Rhodes NFL. Big thanks to Andrew Emmer for producing this episode. The NFL Roadshow, of course, part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. Marissa Rivas is the acting director of sports podcasts for SiriusXM. And a special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. See you next week. Serious XM Podcasts.